You know, we are a third day people. I was thinking about that on the way in this morning, that it's all about the third day. We have to contemplate the cross. We have to contemplate the death he died, the price he paid. And any time we, we discuss the gospel, we, we don't need to separate the crucifixion from the resurrection. Because without the one, the other is not complete. What validated it the way Jesus lived, what validated the death he died, was the fact that on Sunday morning, on the third day, he rose again triumphantly. When you go back through the scriptures, it's very interesting how often you see the emphasis on the third day. You see, it was Moses who said to the Israelites, we're going to go three days into the wilderness. It was interesting when the Philistines came into battle against the Israelites. The Israelites had wrongly used the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and the Philistines captured it. They took it into Ashdod, an enemy city, and they placed it right in front of Dagon, this false idol that was right at the entrance of their temple of idol worship. There the presence of God was in enemy territory, but that was the first day. The city of Ashdod went to sleep that night, and when they woke up the next day, their god Dagon had fallen over as though it was bowing at the feet of the presence of God. No one had a clue how that happened, so they set it back in its place, continued to do their day, and that was the second day they go to sleep that night. When they wake up the next morning, the second day, it's there again as though it's bowing at the feet of the presence of God. They put it back in its place, but on the morning of the third day, as they came into that place, they found that Dagon had not only fallen, but it had crumbled into pieces. And finally, all the people of Ashdod said, get this ark out of here. There was something captured within power in the presence of God. He needed no enemy soldier God was God all by himself, and the emphasis was what happened on the third day. When, when Israel was faced with genocide, it was Esther who said, I am going to fast and pray three days, and then I'm going to go before the king and seek deliverance. You know about Jonah who ended up in the belly of the giant fish. How many days was he in the belly of the fish? Three days. The whole story of the gospel is like a three-day story. And you keep tracking that all the way until we get to Calvary and it's on Friday. And it goes incredibly dark and Jesus dies and then he's placed in a borrowed tomb and then it becomes Saturday. But early on Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away. And the angel declared, Why seek ye the living among the dead? For he is not here. He has risen just as he said. We are a third day church. We are here, and it's interesting as they honored Sabbath all through the Old Testament. When you come into the New Covenant, when you come into the New Testament, you recognize Sabbath on the Lord's day. 
You come in on a Sunday and recognize the victory of God. Now, the reason we're all amped up is because central to our worldview is this belief that Jesus died on Friday, was placed in a tomb, but on Sunday morning up from the grave, he arose. And within that victory is the victory for every one of us. And I want to talk about that victory today. Holy Spirit, we welcome the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus that sets us free from the law of sin and death. Speak to us through the truth of an empty tomb. Validate it by your presence in every heart. For those who have come into this place today searching, seeking, thinking, wondering, I pray you would answer questions. I pray that you would go beyond just an intellectual exercise until every man and woman in this place would recognize you're dealing with our hearts. We can know you're alive as we study the facts of the Word of God. But we can also know that you are alive as your spirit bears witness with our spirit. And we know that you are alive because you live within our hearts. For those that have not made their heart your home, my heart reaches to you in prayer for them that the empty tomb would lead to their heart being full, full of love, power, and life that doesn't come from an outward external source, but from an inward fountain that springs up within our hearts as a result of relationship with you. That is my prayer. Lead us to that moment of life change. May every believer in this place find themselves thankful, rejoicing, excited, just hard to contain it kind of joy in this place because of who you are And what you have done. In Jesus name. Amen. Is it appropriate to give God a hand clap of praise for who he is and what he's done? I agree. He's a great God. Also central to our worldview Is the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned. That through their sin. We all suffered the fall of man. Romans 5 says that through the one man, sin entered the world. And how tragic was that fall and how affected we all are. You see, we we do not have the label of sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. The scripture says we are born, we are shapen in iniquity. We are sinners, that's the result of of what our first parents did. It's the fall of man. We have this challenge to confront. Now we are powerless within ourselves to deal with it. We have to have a redeemer. Bible calls him the second Adam. Just as sin through the one man entered the world, then life, redemption, reconciliation, The power to restore, rebuild, and have a future hope comes through the one man. In trying to capture what it means to suffer 
this impact of sin. I find example in the bridge called the Tacoma Narrows Bridge that was built in 1940. Notice with me on the screens, and and you'll see a very interesting video that was captured about this bridge. When the bridge was first built, it was amazing. There was a lot that was right about the bridge. But four months after the bridge was opened, a 40-mile-an-hour wind came up, and it began to shake the bridge violently. It shook it so violently that in a moment, it will begin to collapse. This was once a marvel. This was once a purpose-filled bridge that helped people to go from where they were to where they needed to be. But a 40-mile-an-hour wind, not like a 90-mile-an-hour wind or a 100-mile-an-hour wind, a 40-mile-an-hour wind, which would indicate It's more than just the wind. Something is wrong that would cause this bridge to collapse and crumble. What's the result? The glory is gone. The purpose is lost. And its value is destroyed. Every engineer asks the question, why? Their research proved this result that there was a fundamental flaw in the design. And because they didn't find it in time, the fundamental flaw became a fatal flaw. You and I have so much right about us, just like the bridge. There was so much that was right about the bridge, but because there was a fundamental flaw, it could not realize its full and prevailing potential. There is a fundamental flaw in every human heart, the result of sin. It is set, no way to get around it. No matter how much potential you have in your personality and skill set, no matter how much education and application of, of your mind that you give, there is this fundamental flaw that will ultimately stand in your path and block your progress, impede your growth, until even one day your value, your purpose, and your influence is shaken and perhaps collapses. Maybe you could say today, I I understand that full well. I have stood in the debris of a collapsed life. Maybe the debris of your own life. Maybe the debris of a friend where you thought, how did this happen? You see the tragic consequences. You you see the fatal impact of the fall. And yet you have to ask why. Because there's a fundamental flaw. And until we deal with the fundamental issues, then we are only addressing symptoms. You see, it really wasn't the 40 mile an hour wind. That just was what finally brought it down. Life will see to it that the right intensity, the right adversity, the right storm at the right time, in just the right way and angle on your life. Life will see to it that it will challenge you and bring you down. 
The reason is this fundamental flaw of sin gives me a faulty belief system. I will live as though life will give me differently than what I've sown. I will think that life can produce A, B, and C when I've really sown the choices of D, E, and F. Proverbs captured this in a, in a very uh, classic and famous saying. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. It seems right. Media says it's right. The culture says it's right. My mind says it's right. But the end is destruction. Now, how could that be? Because the result of the fall put in a sin nature that then leads to a faulty belief system that causes me to be captured by deception and I end up on what seems right. But the end of seems right is that the bridge comes crashing down. That's the reason that relationships can't be held. That's the reason that life does not work, that dreams are lost. It's because there is a fundamental flaw in the human heart. And you and I are powerless to do anything about that. Now, again, we understand some of the energy, some of the vitality, when we just mention the fact that Jesus is alive. Because when he rose from the grave, he held the promise, the answer, the antidote, the remedy, the redemptive power. He held the reconciliation ability to bring my life out of destruction, rebuild my life, put me back on course, back on destiny, back on point. The use of my one and only life, it only comes through the price, through the death. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus put his name in the atmosphere. I, 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 I grieve at the tens of thousands of people that will come into sanctuaries today. And sermons will, will walk up to the truth. But they just won't declare it. It is Jesus Christ. It is him crucified. And the empty tomb that allows you to know. There is an answer for the fundamental flaw in our hearts. We don't have to stay this way. See, the good news today is that death doesn't have the last word. Destruction doesn't have the last word. Divorce doesn't have the last word. Sin doesn't have the last word. He has risen from the dead far above all principality and power. Now life has the last word. Let me give you another picture today. This is the bridge restored, rebuilt, reestablished, awesome, magnificent, influential, purpose-filled. And rather than the broken down tragedy of collapse being the picture we take out of here, I think we should take out this picture in our mind, which says to us, your past does not have to be your future. Thank God. Your past does not define your future. What has happened does not have to be taken into the future and define everything that you are and everything that you do. Jesus Christ turns it, changes it, offers opportunity, offers the potential to rebuild, 
to put you back together, to take all the scattered, broken pieces and put them all back together. All the king's horses and all the king's men, they can't do it. But Jesus Christ, the God-man, died on Friday, rose on Sunday. He has the power to put your life back together and not only make you function, but make you influential. To restore you to the life for which you were created. For you were created for purpose. You were created for influence. You were created to make a difference. The fundamental flaw has done everything to rob you. Today you can reclaim the potential. Today you can reclaim the promise. Reclaim vision and possibility. How do you do that? Because central to our worldview are these truths. And now let's just put the scripture right into our hearts. They're going to come on the screen for you. We'll begin with Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. I love that part. He will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I want to give this to you from the message paraphrase. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Notice the exchange that has happened here. Our spiritual death, the result of the fall of man, exchanged for the life of God. Continue with me, 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Put Paul's words with this, 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. You see, the past is not my future. The old has gone and the new has come. Well, it's the power of the word. Let it create an experience in your own heart. Here's Ephesians. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's part of the sin nature. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Life, freedom, victory. Not only are you restored, now I want you to see the power to sustain the destiny. Here it is, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate 
in the divine nature. That is amazing. That is supernatural. You may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let me just break that down. New birth. That's where I'm forgiven. Power washed by the love of God. Made a new creation. The guilt is gone. I made choices. I went down the path that seemed right. It ended in destruction. I was caught in the web of deception. I messed up. I failed miserably. I missed the mark. I fell short of the glory of God. Yes, I did. I own it. Wretched man am I. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived and lived sinlessly, offered himself as the sinless, perfect sacrifice, died and rose again so that I might have a whole new life and then participate in a new nature, in a divine nature that gives me everything that I didn't have. The fundamental flaw has been addressed and fixed. Now I'm a new creation, re-engineered, remade, reborn, rebuilt. Now I can be who God created me to be. Hallelujah. That is the awesome work of God in the human heart. Restoration becomes an established reality. So sin, destruction, death does not have the last word. Victory, power, life, joy, peace, strength. That defines my life now and into the future. It's the power of the third day. We are a third day people. I want you to watch this and let your heart be open as you listen and watch. How do I know? I know because I was restless. How do I know? Because I was wild. Because I was addicted. I was lost. Because I was empty. I know because I was living behind a mask. How do I know Jesus is alive? Because he lives in me. Jesus did what no one else could do for me. He took the punishment. For my failures. My wrong decisions. My selfishness. My pride. And my sin. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was tortured. Crucified. And buried. For me. But on the third day. He did exactly what he said he would do. Jesus rose up. And walked right out of the tomb. And in the summer of 1985. July of 2007. February 2005. June 2003. And in August 1995. He walked into my life. And I've never been the same since. 
Now I am truly living. Now I am sober. I am at peace. I am fulfilled. Now I am free. Now I'm found. My God. My Savior. My best friend. My Lord. My Jesus. Is alive. The tomb may be empty, but my heart is full. When I was pastoring in Arkansas, I remember going through the community and I would see these trucks all identified by the company name. It was a roofing company, one of the more successful roofing companies in the community. And the guy that owned the company, he was a young guy, sharp, handsome guy. I mean, just very talented. And I knew of him. I'd never met him personally. And I remember having thoughts as I would see his trucks through the community as I would occasionally see him in some establishment. Wonder about his heart. Not the kind of guy, you know, this strong, strapping guy. Not the kind of guy that you would just start a conversation. Hey, hey, uh, how's your heart? And I will never forget, on an Easter Sunday, walked to the pulpit as I did today. I looked out across the people, and there he was. Something started in his heart that day. And also I started a friendship with him that day. Got to know him and I will never forget the time that he said, you know, on that Easter Sunday I walked in and my heart was empty. But when I left, it was full. The tomb is empty so that your heart could be full. You saw this jar in the video, this bottle. It was in a bad place. It was buried beneath. You saw it was lifted out. It was washed. It was reset, reestablished. It was filled and it was purposeful. A metaphor illustrating everything everyone in the video just said. Whether it be the bottle, whether it would be the bridge, we capture an illustration of what God can do with a life. There is no doubt in my mind that on this Easter, there's someone who's walked into this place just as that man walked in that auditorium all those years ago in Pine Bluff. And your heart is empty. Because the tomb is empty, your heart doesn't have to stay empty. Like my friend, you may be successful. See, there's a lot that's right about your life. But you know what it's like just between you and your own thoughts. You know that there's a hole in your heart. You know there's an emptiness. And 
all of the success, the influence, it, it just doesn't play at the end of the day to meet the deepest need of who you are. And I think what has happened today is you've kind of been brought into an experience. It's really more than just an Easter service. God has captured you in an experience so that the songs you've heard, the message, the videos, you've kind of found yourself in this. You realize it's your story. So maybe in the future we could add you to the video and it could be Easter 2009. The day your heart was filled with the power of God's love. You see, my highest privilege ever is to give an invitation for empty hearts to open up to the fullness of His love and power. And that is what I'm about to do. I am just absolutely convinced of the grace of God. Convinced that right now His grace is about to work in a mighty way in your life. Billy Graham does these incredible crusades and you've all seen when he rents the stadium, the entire field remains free of chairs. One person one day was saying, hey, we can create more seating and they were putting chairs on the actual field and Billy Graham walked through just checking out everything before the evening crusade service and he said, hey, you have to move these chairs. And the guy said, what do you mean? We, we can seat people here. He said, no, you, you don't understand. We're going to need all of this space because when I give the altar call, people are going to come from every part of this stadium and it's going to take every square foot of this field for all of the people that are going to respond. So move the chairs. Later, an assistant who was helping that guy move the chairs, an assistant to Billy Graham, he said to the guy, he said, look, you, had, you, you were trying to do a good thing, but you have to know this man is convinced about the power of God's grace. And, and if he could create more space down here, he would because he knows when he gives this very simple message and then he says, all right, come, that people are coming from all over this place and we will need every square foot of this field for all of those who will come to the altar call. Today I stand before you and I'm convinced of grace. And it's really not because of a verse I would point you to. It's because of what's happened in my heart. He's real. Grace is real. And love wins. Love wins. Empty tomb, full heart. Would you close your eyes in the presence of God? Who needs to be put back together? Restored. Who is desperate for a savior? Life is dismantling. You're, you're going down. You need a rescue. You need someone who come to you because you can't get to them. See, that's what salvation is all about. It's why we're not asking you to get yourself together and then come. You, you come as you are. He will clean you up. He'll, he'll purify, wash. He will change. All you have to do is yield. 
All you have to do is surrender. All you have to do is acknowledge that you need him. God, I pray for the power of grace now to work. The greatest miracle that any of us could ever know. In this moment, someone is going to pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's as though that darkness will be removed and the light's going to shine. The nighttime of sin is over and the new life in Christ is about to dawn. The miracle is about to happen. For grace is about to meet faith and an empty heart is going to become a full heart. If you'd say, Pastor Ron, I need Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. I want you to be very clear on what you're doing. By lifting your hand, you're just saying, I I need him. I can't make it. I've never asked him to be my savior. You're saying, I don't need to go another day without this relationship. You're saying, I recognize to be separate, to be separated and disconnected from him is to be living life on my own agenda and my agenda is the way that seems right but the end thereof is destruction. I'm not into destruction. I'm into life, purpose, a prevailing success that only God can give. I'm into my heart changing. I'm into my life working. I'm desperate. I'm in need of God. That's, that's what we're doing today. We're saying yes to life. We're saying yes to heaven We're saying yes to victory. We're saying no to defeat and no to Satan and no to hell. We're saying yes to God and all of the divine power that is in store for you to live the life he's created you to live. This is why he created you, so you can know him and live in the reality of his resurrection.